You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. We got calls to go over. We got calls that pay the bills. Not balls, bills. We got kills to pay the bill. Nope. It it goes pretty bad either way. You either go with kills or you go with balls, and either way it doesn't doesn't go great. So we got the kills that pay the balls. Let's get to the calls. We will start off with where we left off yesterday, and that is John from Peonix. Hey, man. So hey, man. The last time I was at a game before yesterday yep. was a preseason game back when they played one preseason a year at Camp Randall in Madison, and they alternated playing at the Brewers Stadium in Milwaukee. Wow. Grandpa, tell us what life was like before the Internet. Did dinosaurs roam the earth when you were a kid? I didn't even know that was a thing, any of that, the whole Camp Randall, Milwaukee, once a year thing. I didn't know that. Favre hurt his thumb in that game against the Broncos. He smashed it against the defender's helmet. It bothered him all season, but he never missed a game right? because he was a real man, and he liked it that way. But it was a whole thing all season long. Anywho. Yeah, I definitely remember that. Um, You know, people talk a lot about different era and all that, but I just remember when I was younger, um, even in the 90s, hearing like from my grandparents talking about, you know, if if Lombardi was the coach, and they were talking about guys back in the 90s, and those guys were doing things that guys today won't do, you know. I know a lot of people rolled their eyes to all that, you know, back in my day when men were men kind of thing. Girls were girls and men were men. You know, that whole thing. Could use a man like Herbert Hoover again. Anyways, I want to watch that, dude. That's such a good show. But, you know, they, they, you know, obviously not literally, but saying, you know, unless your limbs falling off, Lombardi's telling you to get back out there and play. And then, you know, I grow up hearing that, as did many people listening, but also watching Brett Favre, who was, you know, he was tougher than pretty much anybody else on the field at that time, but he was still somewhat emblematic of the time. But yeah, I remember. I remember he had a broken thumb on his throwing hand, and he played. Um, I, I I just remember they kept showing it, and he always had that rubber band on his wrist that his daughter gave him, and like his hand was just like purple, and it was just the craziest thing. But he was always taking serious shots. He'd get banged up. He'd never come out though. That's right. I mean, that's how you know when you listen to him, or when you listen to the fact that he had that Iron Man record, playing consecutive games without missing a game. It's not because he didn't get hurt. I mean, granted, there are injuries that could have happened that would have forced him to stay out, but there were numerous injuries that he had that have kept other people out that he just played through. I mean, you know, 
crazy stuff. But anyways. The noise level at State Farm Stadium yesterday was out of control. It was literally insane in there, the noise level. All the decibels were inside that stadium yesterday. <laughs> it was so loud. I was trying to call during halftime from the mezzanine at the end zone opposite the Jumbotron. There were hundreds of people around. Everybody was partying. Everybody was excited. The noise levels were incredible. Um, in the stands, we were surrounded by hundreds of Chiefs fans. And they were cool to me. Cardinals fans were cool to me. Um, but as we watched the game, it was impossible not to get excited every time KC scored. I tried cheering for both teams, but I ended up being the only technically non-KC fan doing the tomahawk chop in the stands <laughs> because Mahomes was on fire. And after all that tomahawk chopping, my arm is still tired. <laughs> but uh, I was thinking about you guys watching the game back home and around the world, and I felt bad for you because it sucked watching the score flash up on the Jumbotron and trying to, you know, listen to Wayne Laramie on my phone with some earbuds amongst all that noise. Uh, but being at the game yesterday, even though it was Cardinals Chiefs, took my mind off what was going on with the Packers and kind of helped me to put my thoughts in order going into the season next week and beyond. And I will, uh, of course, call back in a few minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you had a good time. It sounds like fun. A couple thoughts as you were saying that. First of all, I'm surprised. I know you said there's a lot of Chiefs fan there, but I have a hard time picturing a Cardinal stadium filled with people and a lot of noise, um, you know, dome or not. I just think, I know the Cardinals have had moderate success the last several years, but uh, they've been a pretty terrible franchise for a very long time. So, um, yeah, it's kind of makes you feel a little bit of shame when you're a Packer fan and the Packers have been, you know, diehard fans, even through the, the terrible periods. And now they're going through a great period. And it's still like, you know, arguing about whether you should sit or stand and not knowing that you shouldn't do the wave when the offense is out there and, making noise when the offense is out there, not making noise when the defense is out there. It's like, guys, you got fans of teams that didn't have fans five seconds ago that are fanning properly. We've had a fan base, a loyal fan base for decades. We should have this figured out by now. This is crazy. I mean, the Colts were good for like, what, a decade? Not even. And Manning had that stadium trained. I mean, it, you could hear a pin drop when the offense was out there. And there was a roaring crowd when the defense was out there we haven't been able to convince people to stand up <laughs> and stop doing the wave anyways beyond that um what else oh tomahawk chalk uh i, I think it would be kind of fun uh, it's on my bucket list to go to a chiefs game sometime because that actually seems like a pretty cool stadium beyond that though there's no real easy way to segue into it because you can't really naturally bring up the chiefs but that dude's overrated i'm sorry the offense over there is great and he can do some special things there's no question but his accuracy is pretty bad. I remember seeing that last year that his accuracy was quite poor, especially like down the field. And then I looked at it this year and it was terrible. Like you look at deep passing, he's, he's deep passing is horrible. He's not an accurate passer down the field. Now, maybe he doesn't need to be. 
seems like with the offense they have, he really doesn't need to. He doesn't target people down the field very often. You think because it's Tyreek Hill and everything, I know he doesn't, he's not there anymore. Now they got MBS, whatever, but you just assume that it's a down the field aerial assault type of offense, but he doesn't do it all that often when he does, he's not very good at it. I just think his talent has been waning the last couple of years. His accuracy is, it's like below average, but he gets treated like he's some, I don't know. He, he's, he's a good quarterback. I just, if people just saw the stats, well, what they would do is say, that's not true. You're lying. It's fake. Oh, sure. How'd they score 44 points? Whatever. I don't know. I'm just saying. I guess I, I won't need to be annoyed for very much longer because if the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl this year, there's so many other teams. Mahomes is already starting to get the Aaron Rodgers treatment where people are getting tired of him. It used to be nauseating how much you'd hear about Pat Mahomes. Now it's, you know, he's still probably the media favorite, but it's, it's, he's getting edged out. I mean, Tom Brady is actually probably the favorite. And then you got uh, Josh Allen, who's right in there. If Burrow didn't completely fall on his face in this last game, he would have been in the conversation. They love Lamar, even though that guy's terrible, but that's another guy that they're wanting to love. I just think he's going to get edged out, and rightfully so. Ryan, it's Dennis. Dennis. Just a heads up. I was just on that uh, site, uh, which shall remain nameless, the one where you buy the shares and the players and all that. The one that should really be uh, supporting your podcast. Yeah. I got it. advertising with you. I'm on it. Anyway, Christian Watson's going for $3.78. You know what? Whereas Amon Ross St. Brown is over $14. Dude, hold on. Sorry, I I paused the recording and and not you, so you played it. We're going to miss about a second of what you said, but you just reminded me of exactly what I said. I've been sitting here watching Christian Watson run wide open all day long. Dude, I'm going to buy him. I'm going to empty my retirement. <laughs> Hold up. Hold up. I want to see what his uh, projections are, though. Because it's a weird thing, because it's like, oh, it's only $3. And it's like, but his expectation is like, you know, 20 points. It's like, well, he's not going to beat that, so it doesn't matter that it's $3. But let me see. What is the name of that? Shall re- Oh, yeah. Boy, I'd love to share this information. I emailed him. I was like, hey, guys. We should work together. I'll tell my audience and we'll have some fun. They didn't respond, so don't worry about it. Uh, $3.74. I made five cents so far on Mr. Watson. So their projection fantasy... $4.43? Excuse me, 4.43 fantasy points. I'm selling every share I have of everything, and I'm buying nothing but Christian Watson. Holy cow, I'm buying all this Christian Watson right now. Four fantasy points is his projection? Or was that for last week? Oh, they maybe they haven't come out with the new projection because he he beat 443 last week. That's the thing that's annoying. I, I don't want to buy more shares and they're like, okay, this week his projection is I don't care. I'm buying I'm buying all of it. I'm gonna see how much stuff I gotta sell here. I've got um ooh dang, AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon made me some money. He was projected eleven point seven five points, he got twenty. I wonder if I should hang on to this. I don't think so because it's sort of a sell high situation, I think, right? If that's like the new baseline is going to be, that's the thing. I don't know how this works. If they're going to come out and be like, okay, he's got to get 18 every week now, then I'm not going to do much with that. How many shares do I have of this? I only have one share, but I could buy some Christian Watson with it. <laughs> what else do I have? I got some MVS from last year left over. I could sell this. I don't care. 92 cents worth of MVS. Maybe I should just hang on to it. He's going to have one big day at some point. No, I need to sell it. I need to 
dang it, man, I don't know what to do. I'm selling it. I don't want it. It's crazy that it's real money. Like, it feels like I'm playing a game, but it's they're actually depositing money into my account. <laughs> I got Tunyon shares. I should probably sell. I lost some money on that. I don't really care. They projected like seven and a half points. I don't know that he beats that a ton. Selling my Tunyon shares. I made my money on Mitch Trubisky. I can probably sell that now. It's a fire sale. I'm selling like eight shares so I can buy like two shares of Christian Watson because he's a lot more expensive than the stuff I usually buy. <laughs> I like to buy Mitch Trubisky and make 10 cents. should probably go ahead and sell Amari Rogers while I still can. Fortunately, the share price did not go down at all somehow. So I'm just going to go ahead and share that. Oh, crap. Did I just buy it? I'm an idiot. No, sell. Now I, now I got to pay the fee twice. I'm, I'm so stupid. I'm so such a loser. All right, I think I sold everything. I, so I've got like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs is like my entire portfolio right now. <laughs> oh, I got Tyler Davis too. Should I get rid of that? He was he was projected one fantasy point and he beat it. He got 1.3 fantasy points. I, I need to hold on to him. If he's, if he's going to be projected one, I'm hanging on to that. So there you go. Tyler Davis, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, A.J. Dillon. That's my entire portfolio right now. Um, what do we got for Romeo Dobbs? He beat his projection, too. I should hang on to him, too. But I'm buying Watson, man. That's that's all I'm doing today is buying Christian Watson. Dude better not get hurt. If I hear he gets hurt in camp, it's going to make me cry. All right, I got four shares of the boy. Thank you for the reminder. I appreciate that. Sorry, uh, Dennis, go ahead. Our uh, imagination and stuff here in Detroit, and he's kind of splashy, but, I, I mean, come on. If Watson has the upside uh, that you think he does, I think that's an investment opportunity. And uh, I think it could be brought to you by the good folks that the place that should, you know, get with I you. I get it. All right, talk to you later, buddy. I get it, man. Yeah, so um, they should uh, sponsor the podcast, that's for sure, because this is fun. This is a lot of fun. But I'm curious, again, because there's, well, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to spend more time talking. I already wasted a lot of time talking about it. Let's get to our next caller. All right, all right. It's JJ. I'm JJ. calling back in with my thoughts on the Vikings game post-game. All right. So, uh, you know, I I have this weird thing about Vikings losses where, I mean, yeah, they bother me, but it's different than when we lose to most other teams. And I don't know if that's because I kind of viewed the Vikings as an equal to us or because I have some natural fear about them going in. Um... You know, it's not even like with the 49ers, where I just basically always assume we're going to lose. Yeah. But with the Niners, I'm sorry, with the Vikings, when they beat us, I'm usually just like, ah, man, that stinks. All right, well, we'll get them next time. All right? So it's just different to me than when we have these embarrassing collapse defeats to, oh, I don't know, Tampa, Chargers, and... The 49ers, you know what I'm talking about. Anyways, I feel okay about this loss. Um, yeah, there were some things that I saw that concerned me for the season. Uh, I didn't think the receivers looked great. I have serious questions about if we're going to get our tackles back. And I guess other than that, I didn't. I I was nervous about the uh, defensive line kind of seemed like the defensive line was almost never 
the ones shutting the run game down. You know, like Madison would just run right between our guys, and then you know it would have to be a linebacker or a safety who made the who made the big play to shut down the run. And I, I, that, that made me nervous. But on the whole, I think the Chicago Bears are not prepared for the punch to the mouth they're about to get next week. Let me stop it there because that's a great place to stop it um, or pause it. Yes. <laughs> um, very quickly, I'll go through your other points so I don't just you know ignore them. But that's I want to sit there for a second. So I'm I'm I get it, but I'm not necessarily with you. I, I get the mentality of we're probably going to lose. So it doesn't sting as bad. Like if we lose this coming game to Chicago and you don't expect it, that sucks. But I mean, because they're in the division, it hurts. I mean, for multiple reasons. Um, Number one, there's a lot of reasons why this loss hurt. Number one, it's week one. Been waiting for a long time just to watch football, just to watch that. And it feels like now we got to wait another week before we get to actually celebrate a Packers win or enjoy a Packer game or whatever. That stinks. A Divisional loss stings just mathematically in terms of winning the division, getting into the playoffs, etc. And then, yeah, there's trash talk involved. And I know that's a stupid reason, but it's a reason. And granted, I don't really, I, I, I don't know that I even have had any trash. It's more like Bears fans chirping than Vikings fans, but you still don't want to have to deal with it. You know, you, you kind of run in the same circles as some of these people and you, you kind of got to just take some of that stuff on the chin because you lost. And I don't want to. And then on top of that, you just got to deal with and, and it's not necessarily because it's the Vikings, but it is the kind of team, a team that's good, but not as good as the Packers. And I don't know that to be the case, but that's that's my thought. If you lose to a team that's just slightly worse than you, then everybody writes you off and says the other team is better. Vikings are the best team in the North now. Vikings are the future. Packers are the past. Everybody's like, OK, we all agree, right? Everybody agrees. OK, moving on. Packer fans are like, um... Excuse me, we have some legitimate uh, objections to that. Yeah, nobody cares. You guys are old news. You guys always have something to say. Shut up. We're tired of you. That's what it feels like, and it's annoying. It's, it's, it feels like the whole world is rejoicing that finally the Packers are done. Finally, there's a new face of the NFC North. Finally, we don't have to hear about stupid Aaron Rodgers anymore and these stupid Packers. I don't like it. I don't like it. Um... Concerns about wide receivers, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm having fun geeking out about how many times Christian Watson got open. I haven't officially gone through and looked at all the wide receivers, but Watson was open more often than he was not, and that's just a plain reality. And I, I actually thought going into it, first of all, I didn't think he'd be open as much as he was, as much as I kind of talked about the assumption that he would be or whatever. Where the heck is my phone? I hear it, but I can't find it. By the way, if you hear my phone throughout the podcast, um, I keep putting it on silent when I do the podcast, and then um, it'll be like a half hour when like, I'll be home with the kids when I'm not doing the podcast, and I left it on silent, and she'll be asking about the kids, how are the kids, is everything okay, and it'll be like a half hour, hour goes by, and I don't respond, and she gets mad at me, and I'm like, sorry, I put it on silent again. I always have my phone on silent. She doesn't like that very much. Anyways, um... I didn't expect Watson to be open as much as he was. And when I thought he was going to be open, I really thought it was going to be Rodgers was under pressure as why he didn't throw it. There was a ton of, he's open, Rodgers is not at least immediately under pressure. He has enough time for a guy of his caliber and experience to be able to say, okay, I got time to, to launch this thing. I mean, if you're a Packer fan and haven't seen Aaron Rodgers running to his right or left and throwing off his back foot 30 yards down the field to, an, to a covered receiver, I don't know if you're actually a Packer fan. That or you're Amish. Either way, 
you should have seen these things. So yeah, if you got somebody kind of coming at you, but you're standing there with your feet planted and you don't think you can throw a pass to a wide open Christian Watson, something's wrong. But, you know, I don't know exactly that that's going to be an every week thing. And, you know, maybe it just has to do more with the Vikings corners not being great or the Vikings defense not being great. It sounds weird because we lost and it seemed like our guys were never open and the Vikings defense was elite. But as much as they were open, I have to assume that they kind of suck. And um, that may not necessarily be the case. Plus, that was our week one. Like, guess what? Christian Watson's our number one. Gotcha. Surprise. Except Rodgers isn't going to freaking throw him the ball. Now it's not a surprise anymore. And the Bears are probably going to make adjustments accordingly. Anyways, so much for the element of surprise there. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat concerned. But I, I, think, I think the scheme works. A lot of those plays, it's not like I'm saying Christian Watson is elite. It's just he's the number one guy. They made him that guy. He ran the route and he happened to be open because, you know, the the under the guys underneath draw the linebackers forward and the guys over the top draw the safeties back. And here comes Watson right across the middle wide open because all the defenders are, you know, going opposite direction. So, I mean, you could put Romeo Dobbs in that spot. You can put Alan Lazard in that spot. The only benefit of Christian Watson is once he catches it, he's real fast and he's going to go a lot farther than a lot of these other guys. That's the cool thing. Plus, there's those plays where he just gets behind the defense, which is also exciting. But Anyways, I'm concerned generally going forward that we have enough with our wide receivers to be a really good offense. We we have to wait and see how that all pans out. As far as the defensive line, I don't know. It's another thing I'm going to have to go back and watch. The only thing I think is, I think so long as the unit works, I'm okay with it. I'm okay just assuming that that's just how it's supposed to go. You know, let the, let the defensive line do the dirty work and occupy the offensive linemen to keep the linebackers clean and come up and clean up. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be smart and say that I know that that's what's happening, but if that happens to be what's happening and the linebackers are able to fill the gaps and and bring the guy down, I'm not really going to worry too much about it. As much as it would be nice to see Kenny Clark throw a guy on the back of his head and grab the running back by himself, I just want to see the defense as a unit stop the run. Um. Anyways, the next thing you mentioned was that whole punch-in-the-mouth thing. I'm going to do my best. I mean, I'm going to talk about it on the podcast, but I'm going to do my best to keep my mouth shut on Twitter. In fact, if you go on my Twitter right now, I'm kind of making fun of the Packers a little bit, kind of tipping our head a little bit because it's pictures of Christian Watson wide open. But I don't I'm going to try to stay out of fights with Bears fans um, because they really believe. Let me tell you what they believe. They believe that they just beat a top five defense. Justin Fields beat a top five defense the exact same team that knocked the Packers out of the playoffs, went to the NFC Championship game, a top four NFL team, elite NFL team, with an elite defense and a high-powered offense, came into Chicago, and this new-look Chicago Bears just rickrolled them. Just steamrolled them. All the rolls. Any kind of rolling you can do, they were rolling. Limp Biscuit style. Aaron Rodgers style. Just rolling. And the Packers got embarrassed. We learned definitively that Justin Fields is the real deal. We learned definitively that the Bears wide receivers are significantly better than the Packers wide receivers. We learned definitively that the Bears offensive line was actually a dominant offensive line. This is, this is what they believe right now. Offensive line is great. Justin Fields is elite. Their defense shut down a powerhouse 49ers offense, and their offense dominated a top five defense. And the Packers just got embarrassed. Because Aaron Rodgers is overrated, we have no wide receivers, and our defense was always overrated. They're not actually that good. This is what they believe coming into Lambeau Field. All the while not realizing that their quarterback performance was one of the worst of the entire 
season so far. He was maybe the worst quarterback. Mike Martz had his thing on there talking about, and and he's going to be dismissed outright, but he said it was one of the worst quarterback performances he's seen like ever. Probably a slight exaggeration there, but legitimately, that might have been the worst. If you listen to the podcast tomorrow, I'm going to go over some of Justin Fields' stats. His accuracy, like dead last. Him and Goff just sitting in the basement. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And you can blame the rain all you want, but it wasn't that much different last year. And by the way, go back and watch that game. It wasn't pouring rain until like the fourth quarter when the Bears actually were winning the game. That first half, when the Bears were terrible, especially terrible, it wasn't rain. Very minimal. Maybe on the field, but not dropping on his hands. So, you know, the Packers still have to figure it out. They still have to kind of get the communication stuff figured out. They have to, um, you know, work on the offensive stuff. But, I mean, legitimately, and this again, I say this tomorrow, but Trey Lance, by the way, it's funny that I forget exactly the scenario. I think it was like catchable passes. I think Trey Lance was dead last. Justin Fields was second for last. It was, and, and Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins were at the top. I think Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins were top five in accuracy. Justin Fields and Trey Lance were bottom two. So the Vikings and Packers game was a battle between two powerhouses in which the Packers made too many mistakes and that cost them the game. The 49ers-Bears game was a battle between two of the worst performing teams in the NFL last week in which the 49ers had more penalty yards than any team. I don't know about Monday Night Football. I hear the, the Broncos had a bunch of penalties. But more second most penalties, most penalty yards of any team in the NFL. And Trey Lance was pure trash. If there was a single quarterback worse than Justin Fields, it was Trey Lance. And yes, I'm aware of Joe Burrow's performance. I guess I should go watch it first before I speak so definitively. But it was, it was a dumpster fire. It's like the second worst team in football beat the worst team in football, and they think they're going to do something because, you know, a top 10 team beat a top 5 team, or at least that's what it was this past week. But we have a better quarterback than they do. We have a better offensive line than they do. We have better running backs than they do. We have better wide receivers than they do. We probably have better tight ends than they do. We certainly have a better defensive tackle group than they do. We have better edge rushers than they do. We have better corners than they do, and we have better safeties, assuming that our guys don't play like they did last week, and we have better linebackers than they do. We are better in every phase of the game with the exception of special teams. And as long as that isn't a complete disaster, there's no reason that we shouldn't, and forget beating them. I don't want to beat them. I want to embarrass them. I want to obliterate them. And there's no reason that shouldn't happen. So I agree. I think, I think this is a very, very confident football team and a very, very confident fan base that has no real idea how bad they actually played in that game and has no real idea how good the the Green Bay Packers are about to be at home in Green Bay. I don't think they realize what's about to happen. They think that this is somewhat of an equal footing. Like, the the Bears aren't that great, but they're better than people say, and the Packers, they're not good at all. They're overrated, and we actually got a shot in this. I think they're going to run into a freaking buzzsaw. All right, the 49ers played really badly. Yes. Yep, kudos to the Bears for pulling out a win, but they didn't play well. And... In uh, Matt LaFleur's tenure, after a loss, the Packers outscore their opponents the next week by over 14 points. I forgot about that stat. So you're right. You're ready, Chicago. I think you're going to lose by two or three touchdowns. Yeah. I f- let, me, let me look it up right now. I think I can find that stat. Actually, I'm not going to because I just realized how late it is. Um, we'll stash that away for another day. Hi, man. Uh, last call. 
of the day. Uh, so, you know, after trolling the Vikings fans pretty hard last week and getting some seriously rude comments in the process, Not I found funny. that some of them can actually read A and can actually take a joke. I even found some cool bear fans this past weekend in go. my trolling travels. And I've come to the conclusion, especially after attending a game in person, I realize I love this time of year. It's go. football season. Yeah. Win or lose, no matter what, it's the best time of year. Christmas. It's better when we win, duh. But still, it's football. Viking fans, bear fans, lion fans, even cardinal fans. And us, fans of the good guys, America's team, we all want our team to win. We all want to see our team play. Hopefully we win, you know, and we want to celebrate and laugh at our enemies. That's great when we win, and it sucks when we lose. But in the end, we're doing what we love. We're watching football. And, yes, to all you armchair fanalists and Monday morning quarterbacks, I agree. Rodgers just didn't. LeFleur also didn't. Jones should have. And Devontae, let's not get started on Devontae. The bottom line is, when it comes down to it, we're all doing what we love. Yesterday, win or lose, we watched our favorite teams play. Being at the game, for me, personally, yesterday really brought it home that it's finally football season. We've been waiting seven months for the season to start. It was a very long off season. And five months from now, we'll all be sad when it's over. Hopefully we win the Super Bowl, but we know how hard that is to accomplish. I'm just looking forward to next week and plan to enjoy every minute of the next five months. You keep talking, Ryan. I'll keep listening. Go Pack Go. Sounds like a plan, man. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, I'm. It's. Uh, I'm excited. We waited. A little, we waited a long time for this. We should probably try to enjoy it, right? Tell you what. Why don't we take a break right here? PristineAuction.com. Um, we are giving away. They are giving away because they're so generous. A um, a replica Lombardi Trophy signed by Jordy Nelson himself. It's going to come with a certificate of authenticity, so you know that he really did sign it. It's a real deal. All you have to do is go to pristineauction.com, click on the register button in the registration code, put FAVRE, F-A-V-R-E, and that's it. You're all set and ready to go, and you're going to get $10 off the first item that you win when you bid on one. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's us days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. 
because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, Ryan. Todd from Reno. Hey. I wasn't aware that you weren't listening to the TV broadcast, but there is one point they made that I thought was uh, real important, and that was talking about the two timeouts that Aaron Rodgers called for uh, not getting up to the line fast enough. Yep. At halftime, Aaron Andrews they said, what did Matt LaFleur say? And she said, I'm paraphrasing, Matt LaFleur was upset with the lack of energy and the lack of urgency by the team getting out of the hu- getting out of the huddle, and then uh, that says a lot. Yep. Because I don't think they get a timeout in the second half for the clock. So, um, and then Greg Olson said, "That's unbelievable that coach in the first half of the first game of the year is complaining about hustle and sense of urgency." So. I thought that was interesting. And only one more thing. When Christian Watson dropped that pass, Aaron Rodgers should have called the same play on second down. And that gave him another chance. Plus, I don't think the Vikings would have been expecting that. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, that is a really good point about you shouldn't have to preach urgency in the first game of the season, um, especially against a divisional opponent like the Minnesota Vikings. That shouldn't have to happen at all. And yeah, as far as Christian Watson, I mean, you can call the same play all you want, but Rodgers wasn't really looking in that direction. And I'm, you know, I don't mean to keep harping on Rodgers. Uh, I don't know that he necessarily completely ruled them out or whatever, but um, I think a big part of it might have had to do with him wanting to be more urgent and get the ball out quickly. So he he never even looked that direction. It was, I think it might have been his next route was the same thing or within the next couple routes that he ran Exact same thing, and he got behind the guy. Not not to the same degree, but it wouldn't have mattered either way because um, the ball was out of Rodgers' hands before he ever got behind the guy or even parallel with him to know that he won the route. So is what it is. Hey, Ryan. It's Joe, the janitor. What up? How you doing? No, I'm doing all right, man. Uh, anyway, we um, we all had a day to kind of soak in that terrible loss. Um, so typically after and kind of during a game like that, I ignore my phone, put uh, specific certain messages from people um, on mute 
so I don't continue hearing um, the annoying sound from the text messages going off. Um, so it's been rainy in Connecticut, and as you know, I'm doing landscaping with my brother-in-law. So uh, Justin Jefferson, right? Yesterday was canceled. Oh yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't look at uh, any of, of my brother-in-law's text messages from Sunday until uh, yesterday morning, um, right after I listened to the podcast. I, I went through his messages, and um, they were brutal. Yeah, I bet. Yep, very brutal. Um, as you all know, Justin Jefferson is on his fantasy team, yeah. and uh, I think Justin Jefferson did pretty well. Tore us up. Yeah, right. Like 180 yards or something. something uh, I think like he that. actually caught for more than Rodgers threw for I'm not sure. You can, you let me know about that one. Something like but, that. But um, yeah, pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, thankfully again, it's raining, no landscaping. Oof. So Good and I got a couple uh, applications out for some more janitorial work. So uh, see how that goes because I really can't stand my brother-in-law, I and I, I'm I'm keeping it uh I'm keeping it clean. So here's my question. Um. You know, with this big game coming up, the Bears, what happens if we lose to the Bears? Um, if we lose to the Bears, we're going to be in pretty bad position. Yeah, it's um, going to be bad. I I don't know if we can handle a loss to the Bears. Um, how bad are the Bears actually? Um, I don't know. Let me know. It's pretty same. It's same. Show on so it won't be on tomorrow's podcast, but very soon we're going to start talking about the Bears. And the fact of the matter is they, they did not perform well. Um, you're going to hear about Justin Fields tomorrow. Um, but overall, from what I've seen, the Bears team as a whole, a couple things were fine. But um, actually, you can find it. Well, it's pretty buried, but I did a tweet before about some of the rankings of some of their players. And I mean, quarterback was bottom of the barrel. Wide receivers were at the bottom. I think tight end might have been near the bottom. Montgomery was low, close to the bottom. Their defensive tackles, like two of their starting, like their number one and the number two, were both like bottom 10 out of like 120 defensive tackles. The edge rushers were both really low. The linebacker, uh, Roquan, was one of the lowest graded linebackers in the NFL. So, yeah, they won, but they won while putting out one of the worst performances <laughs> Of a football team. Actually, let me look at one thing real quick. I'm curious. So right now, the Chicago Bears are the lowest grade. So via PFF, this is the worst performing team in football. Even They said they were even worse than the 49ers, which isn't surprising because if you watch the game, certainly felt like the 49ers were the better team. So that's not that surprising. Now, granted, the Packers are 30th, but still, I'm just, I'm just curious about one thing here. That performance by the Bears, as far as overall team grade, would be the second lowest performance, the second worst last year. There was only one game where they played worse than this last game, and that was against Cleveland um, when they lost that game 26-6. to Other than that, every game that they played last year was better than last week. So while they're over there bragging, again, let's keep this between us because they really think they got something over there. While they're over there bragging about, man, we really got something here, they don't even realize how bad that was. In fact, I wonder if any team has won a game with that low of a grade. The lowest grade they had and won was a 62.4. 
The five games lower than that they lost. I'm really curious. I should save this for tomorrow too, but I'm, I, man, 47.1. Cardinals lowest was a 60. They had two in the 40s, lost them both significantly, 34 to 10, 34 to 11. Falcons didn't even, they never had a game that bad. Lowest grade they had and, and one was a 62. So all these games are 60s. Cincinnati only had one that bad and they lost it 21 to 16. Lowest grade they had was a 69 that they won. This might be the worst performing team of all time that won a game. <laughs> the Packers actually did win their lowest performing game last year, but their lowest grade was a 60.4. So this, this game was already worse than any game last year. What was the grade of the game we lost week one? 63. Holy cow. What the heck did we do right? Tackling and run blocking and pass blocking. I guess things that didn't matter enough. Uh, the Texans had a few that were pretty bad. A lot, I mean, several under... 60, but they lost all of them. The lowest, so the, they only won four games, but the lowest grade they had that they won was a 60.9. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games under a 60. They lost all of them. I still haven't found a team that's won a game with a grade less than a 60. Jaguars, likewise, a bunch of games under 60. They lost them all. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of them that they lost. Only one of them was worse than what the Bears did, and they lost that one 37-7. to Every single one of these is a blowout. The Giants had a game that was actually a 44. That's probably the lowest I've seen, but they lost that 22-7. to Their lowest games, they lost 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 of their lowest graded games. Their lowest graded game that they won was a 60.2, right at that 60 mark. It's crazy. Same thing with the Jets. All losses on their lowest grades. Well... I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue this tomorrow, but I just went through every single team from last year, all 32 teams, not a single team from last year had a single game from last year. So we're talking about nearly 600 games. There wasn't a single team game in which they put up a grade less than or equal to or less than or even close to. I didn't look super close to see what the lowest grade for every team was, but I didn't see anybody below a 60 that won a game. We had two already this year. Um, the Giants also 56.7, but the Bears 47.1. Not a single team had a grade that low and won. Not even close. So all this will be fun conversation for tomorrow. I appreciate see this is another benefit of this show is you guys get me looking at stuff that's uh really funny and I enjoy it. Hey Ryan, it's Garrett. Hey Garrett. Hey, I wanted to address something that nobody seems to have uh, discussed or asked you about yet, and nice. that is the annoying uh, tab at the top of the corner in the game where they were comparing Devontae Adams' stats versus Green Bay Packers' stats, and how many catches, how many yards versus Green Bay's, how many catches, how many yards, and I'm like, surely they're not going to do this every game this season, and just correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't remember them ever doing that with someone else, with another guy who's left for another team, and then start comparing how well they're doing. This is just like a highlight that is so obvious that they do not respect the Packers. Yeah, and and it happens kind of regularly. You know, I mean, even when the I mean the Vikings lost Stephon Diggs, that was a pretty big deal, or um, Hopkins. I mean, that that was a massive deal, and nobody seemed to want to talk about it. So, yeah, I mean, again, there's a weird thing with the Packers. It's it's almost it's almost kind of annoying 
because you feel like you're at the center of, center of attention, but for all the wrong reasons. You guys ever watch Stranger Things? I went through that uh, whole Stranger Things thing, but it really reminds me of, um, it's the only example I could really think of that makes the most sense. I was going to say that, you know, the really unpopular kid in school, but that doesn't make sense because the Packers are really good. I don't remember anybody's name from Stranger Things, but remember early on there was that really popular guy who was like king of the school and he tried to get with that girl or whatever. And at the end of the day, he was like, you know, he didn't really care. But he ended up falling in love with her or whatever, like actually caring and stuff. And it cost him his friendship with like the popular clique. And he ended up being sort of an outcast. And so you got this guy who was like the most popular kid in school, who now is like the most popular kid in school that everybody hates. And all the attention is on him all the time for all the wrong reasons. And so he's still really popular, but everybody kind of hates him now. And that's kind of what it feels like with the Packers. Everything's a big deal. Honestly, I mean, I guess we should take it as a compliment because the reason nobody compared Hopkins yards and whatnot with the uh, Texans total yardage is because nobody cares enough about the Texans. It's not interesting. But the narrative surrounding Aaron Rodgers and the wide receivers and all that, that's interesting to people. You know, Devontae's a big deal. Aaron Rodgers is a big deal. The Packers are a big deal. I guess we should be flattered, but it doesn't feel flattering because obviously nobody is trying to compliment us. This is all about trying to mock the Packers. That's 100% what this is. This isn't like, oh man, you guys are so good. Wonder if you can keep up. This isn't like Dwight Schrute facing off against the computer and he's neck and neck with him and it's actually kind of impressive because obviously you can't beat the computer, but he actually did because he's a freak and he's actually surprisingly a really good salesman despite being an idiot. That's not what this is about. This is about let's all gather together and point our fingers at the Packers and laugh at them. So we can take it as a compliment if we want to just brush it off. That's fine. Just take it as a compliment. It's because they're a big deal. That's why people care. But I promise you it's not meant to be a compliment, and that's why it's so annoying to me and to a lot of Packer fans. I know. It's just taking it to a whole new level that has just really, really got under my skin. And I was just wondering what you thought about that and what are your thoughts about them possibly doing this every freaking game? I mean, come on, really? Uh, it just it blows my mind. So I just wanted your thoughts on that and see what you had to say. Have a good one, Ryan. Well, they, they'll stop doing it as soon as our wide receivers explode, right? That's, that's the point. It can't be the tight ends and it can't be the running backs. It's not total team receiving yards. It has to be the wide receivers. And specifically, we need one wide receiver to get more yards than Devontae. If it happens once, they won't put their stupid box up there anymore because it just makes them look stupid. So that's what we got to wait for. We need Romeo Dobbs or Alan Lazard or Christian Watson or Sammy Watkins or uh, who else we got? Randall, Amari. Somebody's got to have a big day. And if it's like our collective of wide receivers has 10 more yards than Devontae, that's not going to work. They're going to put the stupid box up again because it's still funny. It's still catchy. It's still something we can all gather around and, and point our fingers at and go, oh, look at you. You did it. You got 10 more yards as a whole team. Congratulations. Aw. They need to be embarrassed for doing that. And then they'll stop. Anyways, I'm going to end it here. We've got uh, two more calls, but um, it is very late. And uh, the podcast has run kind of a long time. So got to get this up. You folks have a good night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.
Hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.